Our Bible verse today comes from Acts 3, 11 to 26. Peter speaks to the onlookers. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by your own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disown the holy and righteous one and ask that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that this Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he has promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who had spoken have foretold these days, and you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. Thanks, Elaine. Do you remember several weeks ago we had our visiting guest speaker, Steve Blake, come? Do you remember Steve? And one of the stories he shared was about an evangelistic rally in Vanuatu. And before the rally was to start, they sent a team into the hospital there who, who prayed for a man who had been paralysed from a stroke and had been paralysed for you know, five days or, or longer. And with one hour of receiving prayer, this man got up and was able to walk out of hospital completely healed. And word of this miracle in the city went viral. And people flooded to the evangelistic rally event that they were 
uh, holding. They, they wanted prayer even before the team had the stage set up. They were so hungry for Jesus after this miracle. And people were getting healed. And people were even getting healed as they walked to the event. And what Steve said was, he said, this healing miracle was a better advertisement for the evangelistic rally than all the TV ads they'd taken out, all the newspaper ads they'd taken out. People saw the power of Jesus at work and it created this hunger. It created a desire to hear more and receive more and find out what is going on. And it created an opportunity for the preaching of the gospel and people heard Jesus and they received the salvation that comes through Jesus. And it really was just like in Acts 3. And last time I was preaching with you, I, I was sharing from the start of Acts 3. And so if we could just get that first slide up, Josh. Okay. So I was, I was sharing with you the story from Acts 3. There was the healing of the man begging outside the temple. Do you remember, do you remember what Peter said? Silver and gold I do not have. But what I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. And in response to this healing miracle, people were curious. They flocked to Peter and the man and they wanted to know why. What had happened? What's going on? And Peter was then able to explain why, or rather the who, of, of what was happening. Peter says, why are you surprised? Do you think it was my power that did this? Do you think it was John's power that did this? Do you think it was our godliness that did this? No, no, it was Jesus. It was Jesus. They say this, verse 16, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you can see. And so Peter is giving a reason for the miracle and he speaks Jesus, doesn't he? But he doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop there, does he? What, what does he do? What does he go on to do? Well, as Elaine's just read to us, he, he goes on to explain the gospel, doesn't he? he? He persuades them of the truth of the gospel. He persuades them of its relevance to them. Because he knows how Jewish people think, doesn't he? Uh, he's Jewish too. And so he's able to provide this very convincing and very rational argument. So this was an intellectually robust argument. It wasn't just an appeal to the emotions. He's not just manipulating a response from these people in the context of this kind of cool, awesome, showy miracle. He's saying Jesus is not just the source of this healing. Jesus is the promised Messiah that you Jewish people were waiting for. So here's the bottom line for us today. Here's the bottom line that, that I see in Acts chapter 3. It's this. Christians must be able to give a reason for our faith. Peter tells us this. Peter does this 
Peter also actually tells us to do this. Here's what's cool. We see Peter actually giving a reason for his faith. And then if you're familiar with your Bibles, you'll know that in 1 Peter, which is theoretically written by Peter, uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. We see Peter doing that in Acts 3. And so today, the main point I want to emphasise for us is that as believers, we must be able to speak out the truth about Jesus and speak out the truth about God's plans for this world whenever the situation arises. As believers, as the church, we are sent out from this beautiful church life that we know and love. We are sent out into the world, aren't we? We're on mission to see God's good image spread across uh, the world, to see his rule and reign spread out across his good creation. What are some of those images that the Bible refers to us as? Salt? Light? A city on a hill? You never know when you might get a chance to change someone's eternity by sharing Jesus. You never know when that opportunity is going to present itself. The struggle, of course, in this, if you're anything like me, is that you're sitting there going, well, yeah, I agree, but sounds hard, sounds scary, sounds embarrassing. Share my faith at school. Pfft. Embarrassing. See your mum do that on stage. Embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> it's overwhelming for me. You're like, Annette, like, Annette, I just struggle to remember what groceries I need to buy when I get to the supermarket. You're like, Annette, I just keep forgetting to put fuel in the car. You're not forgetting, you're just scared to go to the bouse because it's going to cost you too much. <laughs> like, I don't think I'm going to be able to remember the finer points of theology and apologetics as much as I'd like to. <laughs> I don't think I'm quite wired to be like Peter and get up and preach to the crowds, you know. I mean, actually, does anyone here think that they're wired like Peter? You know, to get up and do a bit of public preaching? All right get your little portable microphone and speaker down in the foodies car park, off you go. You yeah, I'm not necessarily recommending that. I'm just saying <laughs> we're probably not wired to do that. <laughs> anyway, look, if you want to borrow our speaker, Alison, go for it. Uh, I want to persuade you I want to persuade you over the next two weeks that speaking Jesus doesn't have to be big and overwhelming. That with the right import of the gospel, you'll be able to have the right output of the gospel when the need arises. Now, I wonder if perhaps the reason all this sounds hard or scary 
it might be because you're just not that familiar with the basics of the gospel. Like, like maybe you just might struggle to easily articulate it and explain it, you know, off the cuff and unprepared. I mean, if you had time to sit down and think about it, well, yeah, you'd, you'd, you'd figure it out, but it's the off the cuff. It's the ready with that, that word at a moment's notice. Maybe you're just not familiar enough with the basics. There's a theologian by the name of Albert um, Mola, and he's a minister and uh, president of the American Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Just quite a mouthful. Imagine that on your business cards. And, and this is what he says. Now, this is an American context, all right, but I think it's either true for Australia too, or possibly it's even worse in Australia because America does have quite a church sort of culture, all right? Or if it's not worse for us, it probably will be like this soon because where America goes, there the rest of the world eventually goes culturally. All right? So this is what he says. He says, Americans revere the Bible, but by and large, they don't read it. And because they don't read it, they've become a nation of biblical illiterates. How bad is it, he asks. Well, researchers tell us that it's worse than most could imagine. Have a listen to this. Fewer than half of all adults can name the four Gospels. Many Christians cannot identify more than two or three of the disciples. According to the data from the Barna Research Group, 60% of Americans can't even name five of the Ten Commandments. No wonder people break the Ten Commandments all the time. They don't even know what they are. The bottom line, increasingly America is biblically illiterate. Multiple surveys reveal the problem in stark terms. According to 82% of Americans, 82% of Americans, um, God helps those who help themselves, is a Bible verse. Those identified as born-again Christians did better by 1%. <laughs> right? um, so 81% of born-again Americans think that God helps those who help themselves, is a Bible verse. A majority of adults think that the, Bible, that, that the Bible teaches that the most important purpose in life is taking care of one's family. Some of the statistics are enough to perplex even those aware of the problem. A Barna poll indicated that at least 12% of adults believe that Joan of Arc was Noah's wife. <laughs> Another survey of graduating high school seniors revealed that over 50% thought that Sodom and Gomorrah were husband and wife. A considerable number of respondents to one poll indicated that the Sermon on the Mount was preached by Billy Graham. <laughs> we are in big trouble. This generation must get deadly serious about the problem of biblical illiteracy or a frighteningly large number of Americans, Christians included, will go on thinking that Sodom and Gomorrah lived happily ever after. We've got to get serious about this stuff. And it's going to be through us that they hear the truth of who God is and how he's revealed himself in scripture. And church, if we don't know the basics, if we can't explain the basics, then who will? One of my 
haunting regrets as a Christian goes back to when I was about 20. And I think I've shared this story before, but I was on a bus in Sydney and there was a man that was of Middle Eastern appearance and I noticed, he was sitting next to me, I noticed he was reading some sort of brochure. It was either about Mormonism or JWs or something like that. And I got really brave. Um, and I spoke to him and I said, you should check out Christianity. <laughs> and then he asked the question, well, how can I find out more? And I wasn't prepared to give him an answer. I, d I didn't know what to say. I had no words ready. And I must say my response to him grieves and slightly embarrasses me to this day. As I said, the first thing that came into my mind, I blurted out, you should go check out Kurong. <laughs> you know, where the Apostle Peter says, check out Jesus, Annette says, check out Kurong. It just falls a bit short somehow, doesn't it? We must be familiar enough with the basics of our faith to be able to give an answer, to give a reason, to defend our faith, to explain it, to articulate it. And we see in Acts chapter 3 and 4, Peter doing just that. And so to the crowd that's, that had gathered in, in astonishment over the miracle, Peter begins to explain what God has done. Peter explains, firstly, who Jesus is. He says Jesus is a servant of God. He's holy. He's without sin. He says Jesus is the author of life. That's in verse 13 to 15. You'll see all that. Peter then goes on to tell people what has happened to Jesus. And so he explains to them that Jesus suffered. He was killed. He was raised from the dead. He says, verse, verse 13, 14, you handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead and we are witnesses of this. And then Peter goes on in the rest of those, those following verses to explain why it had to happen. He said, this is God's plan. It wasn't by mistake, it was planned. It was planned to fulfill a promise, a promise that God had made to, to bless all peoples on the earth by turning them away from their sin and restoring them to relationship with God. And then Peter goes on to tell people how they must respond to this truth. He says, verse 19, repent. Repent then, turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Of course, the first step is for us to grasp these truths ourselves. Because if we aren't convinced, or if we haven't repented, it'll be just blind people leading blind people. So ask yourself, do you know who Jesus is? Has he revealed himself to you? And if not, this is where you need to start. Ask Jesus to reveal himself to you. Do you realise why Jesus had to die? Do you, do you know? 
Do you know why Jesus had to die? Here's a clue. Because you were a sinner from the day you were born. So was I. Have you realised that about yourself? That you actually need a saviour? This isn't just how to live a fun life 101. This is you need a saviour. And do you long to be restored to relationship with the Holy One who made you and who loves you? If you haven't yet turned to God and allowed him to wipe out your sins and bring the refreshment of new life into your soul, then this is where you need to start. Repent and turn to God. For those of us who have done this, who are followers of Jesus, we then get to share and tell our experience with others. Now, for us, this is, is not about necessarily necessarily getting out on street corners, shouting out the story of Jesus to everyone who walks past. That's not what I'm telling you you need to do. This is not about trying to make every conversation at your workplace or at your family dinner table to be about Jesus. What this is about is this is about being ready and able and willing to give a reason for our faith when the opportunity comes. Now, you might be asking, well, why does it matter? Why does it matter whether you or any other ordinary Christian can share the truth of the gospel with others? Because can't they just Google it these days? Or visit Kurong? <laughs> can't the evangelists just, just share the gospel? That's their gifting and job, isn't it? or the pastors, or the theologians, because that's not your gifting, right? Think about the recent floods in uh, Queensland, northern New South Wales. We've just sort of had kind of round two a little bit, haven't we? There were lots of people stuck in their homes, weren't there, at risk of drowning. They needed rescuing. They needed the SES or the army personnel, or the fire brigade rescue. These were the professional people, weren't they? They were the trained ones. They were the skilled rescuers. It was their job. But they couldn't be everywhere, could they? Too many people needed rescuing. I mean, the catastrophe was too great. The crisis was too big for, for only the professionals to be able to handle it. And there were stories in the news, wasn't there, of um, people you know, trapped in their roof cavities, of 90-year-old of women floating in their mattresses with only 20 centimetres of air between them and their ceiling. I mean, just unbelievable stuff. People were drowning and dying and they urgently needed rescue. But then there were the stories of common, ordinary, everyday people with their tinnies and their jet skis going out and saving people. They used what they had to do what they could to save people's lives. They didn't say, well, you know, I'm not trained, I don't have the skills, I don't have the insurance for it, I'm not a member of the SES, 
I don't have the time or the resources. I'll leave it to others. I'll look after just myself and my family. These common, ordinary, everyday people got their boat out and did what they could with what they had to save people's lives. Church, there are people who are gifted as evangelists and as theologians. There are gifted preachers and teachers, and that might not be you. But I want to tell you that you can rescue people. You have a boat. You have the Spirit of God living in you. You carry within you the the ability to save people's lives. Remember Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You will receive power. Just speak it out. You will receive power. Come on, let's try it one more time. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be witnesses, witnesses to Jesus, to the ends of the earth. Every born-again believer has a rescue boat, is a rescue boat. Amen? Church, it's raining a flood right now. Our society is drowning in sin, in conflict, in tiredness, in burnout. They're confused about gender and relationships and family and rights. They're confused about what is, what is good and what is evil. It's a world obsessed with power and politics and personal preferences. Hey, obsessed with the self and self-gratification. This is not just a temporary crisis like the New South Wales Queensland floods. This crisis has eternal consequences for people. It has heaven and hell consequences. The professionals just can't get to everyone. There are people and places that ordinary, everyday Christians can reach, that the gifted evangelists and teachers and pastors and missionaries will never reach. You have a boat. Will you use it? You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to be incredibly articulate or clever. You just need to be ready willing and able. I want to read Acts chapter 3. There are two words in that chapter that jump out at me. Two very simple words. It comes from verse 1. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. What an ordinary little sentence that is. So innocent, isn't it? But do you know what jumps out at me in that sentence? Those first two words, one day. One day. One ordinary day. Going about their regular routine. No prior warning that something big is about to happen. 
No vision, no clues, no, no kind of prompting from the Holy Spirit, no stirring in the hearts. It's just an ordinary day. No chance for them to go home and prepare a message. It's just this one day. A man asked them for money. They speak Jesus. And suddenly the power of Jesus is on display. And the crowds are suddenly there and asking, what's happening? And Peter and John, they're just responding to the situation as it happens. Because they were ready. They were ready for the one day. They were ready to tell the crowds that they needed to repent and turn to Jesus. They were ready to defend the truth of who Jesus is as Messiah before the religious leaders. They were ready to give an answer to everyone who asked. Are you ready for the one day? Because you're not going to know about it until it's happening. You know, when that one day came for me with that that man on the bus, I wasn't ready. I still sometimes wonder if I'm ready. But I, I guess I know more now than what I did then. When people needed rescuing from the floods in Queensland and New South Wales, it, it was too late to go out and purchase a motorboat then, wasn't it? Only the individuals who already owned the boat were ready to go out and rescue others. The, the one-day opportunities to speak Jesus and to answer people's questions, they always come unexpectedly. Always. You need to be ready. Are you gospel literate? Would you know how to answer questions about Jesus and the Bible and salvation, about God's existence? about what, what does it actually even mean to have this thing called faith and how do we know the resurrection actually happened and why on earth does God allow suffering? You know, all the easy questions. Why are you a Christian anyway when, when, when religion is so full of evil and moral failure and abuse? Why would you be a Christian? Are you ready to speak Jesus in response to questions like that? And if you think, well... You know, I'm probably not ready. <laughs> You're not alone. Let me, let me tell you that, firstly. But maybe you're thinking, yeah, but I, I want to be ready. I, I want to be ready for that one day. Speaking Jesus doesn't have to be big and overwhelming. Remember I said before that with the right import of the gospel, you'll have the right output of the gospel when the need arises. So my challenge for us today is this. Are you willing to put in a little bit of effort here to learn? Because when we learn, well, things become easy, don't they? I mean, we're, we're wired that way. That's how God has made us. The difference between I can't and I can is I'm willing to learn. Do you agree? Are you willing to learn, church? Are you willing to learn? Amen, yes. I want to invite you to do an apologetics course next term. All right? Tuesday nights. If you find it hard to make that time, but you want to be part, I will bend over backwards to make it possible for you to be part 
All right, so if that means I need to run a Zoom at another time, if that means we need to look at a daytime session, um, I'm happy to do that if people are willing to learn. Don't think this is just for adults. Older, older children, youth, is actually a version I can do for you. Um, but you've got to be willing, okay? You've got, to be, you've got to be willing to learn. You, you've got to be ready to put a bit of time in, all right? So if you are willing to learn, would you lock in Tuesday night's new calendar now or come and talk to me uh, about what we need to do to make it work for you to do that apologetics course. Zoom is a simple option, all right? We can look at other times or other spaces, yeah? Okay, lock it in your calendar now. Talk to me after the service. Spread the word. Hey, encourage those people who aren't here today to, to get along to Tuesday nights, to hook into this apologetics course at another time because we are on mission. Amen. And there is a world that needs rescue. So let's be ready for that one day. Let me pray. Um, Lord, we, uh, you know, we really want to be ready for that one day. And so as we, as we go about our, our daily quiet times, as we make choices about what to, what to read or what to watch, would we be really discerning? Would we just um, really prefer Jesus when we make those decisions and choices? Would we prefer things that are going to build our capacity to speak Jesus when the, when the one day arises? Lord, would you just place a hunger for your word, a hunger for the Bible, a hunger for things of, things of God, a hunger for, for your revelation of yourself to us. Would you place that hunger in our hearts as a church? Would we be a church who are known as a biblically literate church who are ready and able to speak Jesus when the need arises? And Lord, over and above all of that, would you place us um, in... in um, uh, would you bring people into our lives that we can share the, the hope uh, that is living in us, that we can share about the truth of Jesus, who he is, the truth of the gospel and the difference that that makes in this world and, and people's need for a saviour. Would you bring those people that are, need, that are ready to hear that message, that have questions about that message, would you bring them into our lives, Lord? Would we indeed have testimonies that we're able to share with one another of those divine appointments that we have and just the words that you uh, give us in those moments that are timely and relevant and um, life-changing, Lord. So would you just fill us full with your spirit that we can go out and uh, be rescuers in your world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.